Haiku Book Club, where we finally get to the comic books that have been sitting on our guest bedroom's bed for the past couple of months. <laughs> I'm Leif Nelson. And I'm Emily Miner. And this episode, I have decided to finally get through my back catalog of comic books that have been building up for forever. Uh, like, I, I like buying comic books. I started really like getting them uh, and reading the single issues probably about four-ish years ago. And over the past, like, year and a half or so, I've kind of slowed down. I still get comics nowhere near like I used to. Like, when I was in the midst of it, I had to set a budget for myself of $20 a week buying comics. If I was doing that now, I'd be uh, broke and on yeah. the street. <laughs> like, <laughs> st- that's I insane. I still don't know how you were doing it back then. Two jobs. Yeah, that's it. That's how. Yeah. Um, two jobs and not having to pay for college. Um, I still get comics. I still like going through stuff, but I've kind of like culled it. But now I've got like the past couple of months have gotten to a point where even the comic books I'm getting that I'm interested in, I just sort of buy and then set them aside. And so I went through all of the individual issues I bought, specifically individual issues, not just like collected. Sometimes like comic stores will have like, here's, Martian Manhunter 1 through 9 at like a discount rate because they happen to have loose issues around they could collect and sell for a discount. Like, I'm not counting those. I'm only counting issues that I bought one by one as I was going through and I haven't read. I counted them up. It's like around 50 some. I was going to say, I'm surprised that there's not a larger stack sitting in front of you right now. No, yeah. So there's about 50 some there, like um, Jeff Lemire's. Oh, what's it called? It's like Rust City, or I've completely forgotten the name, or Cy Spurrier's Coda, which is like a post-apocalyptic fantasy, or it's like, it's the post-apocalypse of a fantasy world, in a post-magic world. Like, so I've got that. I still haven't finished, I've got like the last three issues of uh, Miracle Man, that finished I think like a year ago, and just a bunch of other things that I like. I just kept getting the stuff and I just had not finished reading them. Probably about 50 some issues of that, which most comic books are about $4. So $200 worth of unread material up there. <laughs> and wait, sorry, those are all first issues. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so that's all the issues there. I did not feel like reading all of those for a single uh, episode, because that would just be a lot. So instead, I decided to pull out all of the number one issues I just grabbed based on just the art, or maybe I like follow one of the artists online, or I just saw something that was interesting. All the stuff I just grabbed. And I organized them. Usually when I read comics, like maybe back when I was more regularly reading them, and I had about two or three weeks worth, I would arrange them in order of like what I wanted to read. And it was always like, I would always go back and forth between stuff I was really into and stuff I wasn't really into, like stuff that was like kind of on the cusp of like me cutting it from my um, subscription list, basically, so that I would like be able to read a really great thing and then read the thing I wasn't so sure about and then go back and forth. It's kind of like a sandwich, um, like a multi-layered sandwich of goodness and crap but not crap because i was still reading it some of it is crap because i i hold way too much held on to stuff that i shouldn't like i read there there was a comic book called birthright 
that I knew I didn't really like by issue like eight. And I kept reading it for like another year just because I was like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it'll get better. And now that I have less money, I don't suffer bad comic books as much or ones that I'm just, that just aren't grabbing. So for this, I got all the issue ones that I've grabbed. There's like a, a handful of issue number twos for the ones that like, they were both there and I was like, oh, I'll just grab both. Because usually if I, number one issues are not always the best at grabbing me. Like I think when I was talking about back at episode one of the podcast, the first issue of Unfollowed just didn't really grab me. I liked the art, I liked the storytelling, but I didn't really get it. Literally just reading the second and third issue from the, the library was like, okay, now I, I really like it. I need to go back and get the rest. So the same, so so sometimes I grab two just to like try and kickstart it a little more for me. On the arrangement of this, I've got 12 different uh, comics arranged in alphabetical order. I did not arrange them in what I thought I would like versus what I didn't thought I would like. Um, because I just wanted to go in blind and I'm just gonna like hit you with my hot takes on these comics that I got. Okay, so the first one is Artifact 1. Um, this is technically not an issue one, it is an issue zero, which is kind of like they're usually like shorter teasers and it's I didn't got even know issue zeros existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Whoops. so yeah, like usually they'll be like sometimes like in like when DC reboots starts over at number one or whenever Marvel is even worse at like restarting their numbering like every year or two, um, they'll put it in issue zero, which is usually like a recap of things. It's less common with indie comics. Artifact One is published under Aspen Comics, which is not a very big brand. You, what usually people, when they think of indie, they think of image, and that's mm -hmm. about it. They always tend to have like really interesting stuff, I think, but nothing of theirs has grabbed me. Unfortunately, Artifact One is on that list. I really love the coloring on this. I'm going to assume illustrations by Romina Morinelli means that, that they did the coloring as well, but I think it's really cool, like the colors really pop, but like nothing in this story really jumped out at me. And so that is probably not going to be a, uh, a follow-up, probably not going to be buying that stuff. This is probably the perfect time to say that uh, you should be following us at Pod on Twitter. Put a link in the description so I don't have to spell that out for you, but... This is where seeing the pictures and seeing the art that goes along with the, the stuff that I'm show, talking about is really going to help, I think, get, give you a better idea of, A, what my preferences are in art, but also like, hey, maybe you want to try it out too, because everyone should read more comics than they are, including I, me. I love, I'm not a huge, as huge of a fan of like these darker pages, but like the lighter, more dynamic pages mm -hmm. with the pastel almost oh, colors. Yeah. yeah, those are really awesome. Artifact one looks cool. Doesn't really grab me. Okay. Number two, Bitter Root. Uh, That's a good name. Bitter Root? Mm -hmm. It is a good name. And it's such a good name, it's going to be turned into a movie. I just saw that on Twitter really? somewhere. Yeah. Hmm. Which is pretty big deal because it only started coming out about in the last year. So Bitterroot takes place in like the 1920s uh, in Harlem. It is a, the story about like 
this uh, family of black, like, it's hard to say, like, scientists or, like, you, you know any story with, like, a family of people who've, like, kept a secret or they deal with the supernatural. That's what this is. And I think they're a family. I might be wrong on that. But, like, there's the grandma who knows all of the herbs to mix up. There's the daughter or granddaughter. I can't remember who is following in her footsteps but wants to be one of, like, the fighters, not one of the the alchemists or whatever. And then all these other people. There's something going on with, like, spirits who it looks like inhabit people. And they know something about it, and the bitter root, I think, either cures it or another root causes it. It's not super clear just from the first issue. And then it looks like there's a rival, don't know if it's a family, but a rival who knows about all the mystical things going on, who's also black. So it's a very interesting, like, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on, like, with history and fiction and all those working together and race as well because they include i think they include a the comic book itself didn't really grab me the art was really inconsistent for me like characters faces kind of changed from panel to panel but the style is really distinctive and also at the end they included a an excerpt from beloved by tony morrison it also has like an essay about race horror and the ethnogothic mm. in the back of it, which is really cool and really interesting. But I'd rather just read a bunch of essays like about that sort of stuff than what was going on here. So not for me. Fair enough. Spoiler alert: most of these comics are not for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's really probably only two that will really kind of grab me. So this is a critical ride, folks. Um, next was By Night um, by John Allison, Christine Larson, and Sarah Stern. Uh, I don't know what this story is about. <laughs> so, I'm not even going to go into it. I The cover is beautiful, though. The cover is beautiful. I, I love the art. I don't know if this story is about a girl reconnecting with, like, reconnects with a, uh, a friend from, it's not super clear if high, it's high school or college. She's currently working as a scientist or a lab assistant somewhere, and then they go break into some estate, and then a thing happens, and they're talking, and they're bantering, but it's not clear if it's, like, just an old friend or, like, an old crush or if they had, like, a romantic relationship before. I don't know. It's one of those things where a lot of my complaints with number ones, and especially a lot of the ones I read here, is that so many people write their comic books as if I'm going to read all of the issues, as if I'm going to read the collected edition, which to be fair is where like a lot of sales happen. Well, Miss Marvel is a really good example of one that didn't does not sell very well in single issues, but does really well in collected and digital volumes. A lot of people prefer reading that way. And it's fine if you prefer writing like that, but if you're gonna write like that, I should you should just publish the book. Don't like publish the first 20 pages as this pretended chapter one that you're going to put out and put out once a month because I wasn't grabbed by this. Maybe I'd be grabbed if I knew what was going on or had an idea of why I should care what's going on. Or if you were reading a book and you assumed that something else would eventually happen. Right, because when I'm reading a book and I finish chapter one, I literally just turn a page and I keep going. Like with this, it's like, all right, maybe in a month I'll 
care enough to remember what was going on and keep going. Because I don't like rereading stuff most of the time. Mm. So I, unless like I really care and I'm like, oh, I have to remember what was going on, I'll go back and find like an issue and thumb through it or something. But I'm not going to read the first issue a month later, later read issue one and two, a month later read issues one, two, and three. Like I'm just not going to do that. Give me another hot take. Hot take number four. Crude. Steve Orlando. Gary Brown. Wee. Leffridge? Leffridge? Oh, I thought that it literally had a question mark <laughs> nope, at the end nope. of it. I don't know how to pronounce this last name. <laughs> Sorry, Lee. Um, Crude. It is a story about an ex, either special forces guy or mercenary in uh, Russia who did not reveal what he did to his son. His son re- uh, resented him. Went off to some work camp to like make a lot of money in a dangerous job. Died there. And... Dad is going there to figure out what happened. Super moody, super atmospheric. I really liked it way more than I thought I was going to. Like, I kind of grabbed this, I think, because it was a dollar, because it was like a few months out. And sometimes people are, comic stores are just trying to get rid of inventory. And I'm not usually a fan of, like, thriller-style fiction where a guy goes and just, like, shoots a place up. And technically that hasn't happened, but it feels like that's what's going to happen. But I just really liked it. It's super cool. So is that one of the couple that you would maybe continue reading? Oh, yeah. Um, This is something, like, it it still kind of suffers from, like, not enough being given in issue one. I would definitely buy the, the, like, volume one of this, like, just straight up. I wouldn't even think about getting it in single issues unless I, for some reason, thought, like, ooh, this is a collectible but I don't really do collectible stuff, so. Cover's cool. Yeah, it's a really cool cover. Um, It's called Crude. I assume that the workplace he goes to is like an oil rig of some sort. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. But that's not really gone into. But yeah, super cool art, super, like, like I said, it's moody. I liked it. Like, it just felt cool. So I'll definitely be checking that out more. Next one also takes place in Russia. It's called Dead Kings by Steve Orlando and uh, art by Matthew Dow Smith. And this one, I will just tell you, the um, premise is that it is after some sort of war with giant mech robots. The, The kings that the dead kings are referring to are the rusting bodies of the giant mechs. And there's like this spread on page two or three of just like, this big fight with a robotic bear fighting someone with a giant sword. It's super cool. That's amazing. And that's the highlight of the first two issues. Yikes. It never gets better. (laughs) Oh boy. It's a good highlight, but not good enough to sustain a comic. Not really. Not for me. Like, and it's not even that like, Ooh, I wanted to see like more robot fighting. It's just that if I were to compare crude and dead Kings, They're both, like, supposed to be moody Russian kind of thrillers. Like, they're trying to kind of... They're both trying to figure out what happened. One guy in Dead Kings, this guy is looking for his twin brother. In Crude, this guy is looking to find out how his son died. But where Crude kind of, like... Crude makes you, like, assume the world is real. There might... For all I know, there's some fantastical elements going on. But it's just, like, this is what the story is. 
it doesn't give you a lot of background and you just go into it. Dead Kings keeps like trying, like every page is just filled with tons and tons of dialogue that are either like supposed to be badass platitudes about like, I I'm not going to be messed with, you, you can't, <laughs> like, you don't know what I faced, or hinting at war or backstory about these dead kings, about what happened or the war that was going on. And I'm just like, I, I can't be teased for two issues and, like... With no reward. Right. Like, I'm not going to care. And, and there's, like, a... There was a... The biggest reveal in one of them was that, like, this lady that he's trying to find, a former mech pilot to help him track down his brother, she won't work with him. She doesn't play hero. And then he goes, he gets captured by some bad guys, and she kills all of them. And she starts helping him out. And it's just like, and then they're just together. And they start moving forward. And it, it's a no for me, dog. So. <laughs> Fair enough. Next one is Freeze. And I won't read off who it's by because it's just bad. This has the other two issues. I gotta be honest, that's a bad cover. It is? Yeah, it is a bad cover. Number two is also kind of a bad cover. It's a little better, but not by much. I don't know. They're both bad. Yeah. Interesting premise. Again, that's what I was taking notes for this as I was reading through. Basically, everyone I don't like is like, oh, this is an interesting premise. Too bad it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Not quite. Not but worth a hot take. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you the, the, the premise. The premise of Freeze is that everyone in the world, everything, in the, every human is frozen in time. Everything still moves, and one guy can is unfrozen, and when he touches people, they become unfrozen as well. So it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic story in that way. But, like, oh my gosh. It, this is a weird thing to complain about, but the lettering is bad. I hate the lettering. It's just a bad, it's a bad font. I noticed that right off the bat, and it's all downhill from there. All right. Next one is High Level. It's a DC Vertigo comic. That's like kind of a cyberpunk thing, also with cool coloring, I think, and a really cool art style. Kind of like, it's really easy to wait, see the way like the light plays off of characters' faces and mm. stuff. It's really cool. This is another one where it seems like it might have, like, an interesting, like, it might have promise, but, like, it's just not for me. I would definitely suggest checking this one out because it does, like, I always love finding, like, really different art styles. Like, if you basically stay with DC and Marvel and, like, to an extent, like, a bunch of other, like, even more indie comics, there's definitely a comic book style that's, like, pretty, people are obviously pretty comfortable with. And I always really like it when things go a little differently. One of my favorite comics artists, actually, who makes art similar to high level is Mike Del Mundo. He makes, like, these really cool, just, like, sweeping colors and stuff that are I just really like. But high level was not for me. Next one is Juke Joint um, by T. Franklin, uh, with E. Martinez, Shari Chankama, and Taylor Esposito. This is another one I didn't really like. It is basically a horror revenge comic about a black woman in the South who owns the juke joint where her and her 
maybe vampire uh, spawn slash lovers slash I don't know what take revenge on domestic abusers and rapists and the like by like ripping their balls off and feeding them to them and stuff like that. Not my cup of tea, but if you're interested in early 1900s revenge stories uh, about women and more specifically black women, check it out. Next is Leviathan. This is bad. Um, it's, got, <laughs> it's got ugly art. And when I say ugly, I don't mean it's bad. It's specifically ugly. Like if you know, um, the most obvious example to me is R. Crumb, who is just a bad person. You shouldn't read his stuff. But, um, or uh, Eli or Ellie Valley, um, who's a political cartoonist. He has kind of like an ugly style. And that's fine. But I just don't like it in a comic book when I'm reading it. It's kind, especially since most people who have an ugly art style have kind of, usually are going for some sort of like gross out humor, and I'm not super interested in that. This art is so off-putting. <laughs> like I'm grossed out without even reading the plot. Yeah, no, it is. It's ugly. It, it, it's that's the point. Like it's obviously very like detailed. It's just a lot. Nope. Uh, next is Middle West by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. And Scotty Young has, I think, I want to say Scotty Young is the guy who makes all those almost chibi-style, like, kid variant covers of Marvel heroes that used to be the big thing in, like, 2016 or so. I remember those. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, that dude made a lot of money I off of those. I bet he did. Like, he got... Like, he found the gimmick. I mean, sort of like, it's sort of like the same reason, like, Funko Pop are so popular. Like, it's just, it's a cool style. It's an, He does it in a really cool way, and he, he definitely put, like, a lot of the characters into them. He didn't just draw a cutesy Wolverine. He drew cutesy Wolverine doing something that Wolverine would do in a cutesy way, and it just really worked. But he has his own comics, like, uh, I Hate Fairyland, and this... This current one, where he, which he's not drawing, but he's writing, called Middle West, and it's kind of like a, I'm, I've said it before, I'm very bad at genre, but it's kind of like a weird fantasy, like Midwest fantasy, which I can actually show that the entire idea came from um, this drawing he did at a, at a Comic-Con somewhere of... A kid talking to a farmer, a guy who looks like a farmer, saying, "You don't look like a wizard." And he says, "Well, what does a wizard look like?" And that's basically what this comic is. It's taking so many things that are super Midwest, like tornadoes and trailer homes, and trains and everything, uh, and planes, rolling planes. Oh yeah, planes. sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And t- puts like this kind of cool fancy spin on it. But is this one of the ones you liked? No. Really? No. It you can read. Cool. You should read it. It's, it is really cool. But I just, it just didn't really. It's just not my kind of thing. Like this is something like, I'm very critical about stuff I like, and I find a lot of good things and stuff I don't really like latch onto. And Middle West has a super cool art style. It has really cool like mythos going on. I like everything it does with turning the Midwest fantastic. But it's just not something I like. So you should really check out Middle West because it looks cool. 
And I definitely will be. Yeah, this is the one that this is the one I had two issues of, so I got to go a little further in. But yeah, mine now. <laughs> and then the last one is last one, last one. Bow, 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 is self made by Matt Groom and Eduardo Fergato. And this is the last. This is the second one that I really liked, and I'm definitely gonna like keep following this one. Self made is about. I feel conflicted on this one because, so spoilers straight up for the first issue, the story is about a NPC in a video game messing things up for the player and the player restarting the game trying to stay the hero but the NPC keeps becoming the hero. And it takes place in the, and you don't find this out until the second issue that the the developers of this game it's in the future it's the sci-fi world where they create personalities for npcs they 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 create like wants and desires for them instead of like making pathways for them to walk and rote lines for them to repeat they try and create personalities and like wants and desires for them so that they will interact with the player in a certain way and this npc the way they made her cares too much about the end goal to let the main character get all the glory because the main character is doing it just for glory. They just want to like win the game and get the high score or what have you. But she is fighting for her homeland. She's fighting for like the the salvation of whatever fantasy land because she is. Because she placing. actually lives in right. the game. She exists there. And it is super cool because the first issue starts off like a straightforward fantasy and slowly you just start noticing some things and then it repeats and it feels like, oh, maybe there's like a time travel element going on. And then, boom, you see that she's in the video game. And then the second issue is entirely from the point of view. The first issue is entirely from her point of view. Second issue is from the point of view of the developer of the NPCs. And you see her going through trial runs trying to figure out what's going on. And it just feels... It feels super smart. It feels like, yes, this is what is like what would be happening if like a program was acting up in a certain way. But what if that program was a person that you had created on accident or something like that? And it's super cool. I definitely want to keep reading. Like this was the last one I read, and it was by far like the best. Like I was really into it. This sounds amazing. Yeah. And I'm flipping through it and like. Yeah, I'm going to be reading this right after you, I think. Yeah, no, it's super cool. And this one, I might go through uh, individual issues. This is kind of a newer one, I think, because I grabbed this like a week or two ago in an older bin, but like still, I think I could keep up. And this one, 100%, the first issue grabbed me and the second issue grabbed me, and they don't feel like chapters in just a continuing story, which they definitely are, but each issue feels like it is its own story it feels like an episode of a tv show where it has a satisfying beginning middle and end just in its own section while still continuing like the overarching plot of whatever is going on like to me that's everything a comic book should be well that's the thing like comic books that are primarily published in issues that's like a different genre or not a mm-hmm. different genre but like a different medium right mm-hmm. yeah um Versus, like, where with Miss Marvel, where, like, 
that's very popular in the collected editions mm-hmm. and makes the most sense to be read sort of back to back. Like, so in my opinion, when it, the, when the medium is used right, it has like an awesome storytelling opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Basically reading through all of these, it was kind of interesting because I've collected these number one throughout like the past, I don't know, six months, maybe like I just grabbed them and, never got to them as I was reading through the stuff that like the series that I was more interested in. And it's super interesting seeing like what catches my eye. And the answer seems to be a premise that I think is interesting. If it's, if I bought, if I got something based on a premise, it's probably because I read about it online, either by following someone who was involved in it or like I follow like all the major comic book publishers on Twitter. So I tend to see their promo pictures and stuff like that with their bylines about like their, two sentence pitches of comic books. So if I, either a cool premise, really cool art, like Middle West or um, uh, I like Artifact One or something like that, where the colors are really interesting, something like that. And then that's really it. Like that's all I'm really interested in when I'm looking through number ones. And then when I pick something, it's almost entirely due to writing sometimes they're like like definitely art will elevate it to like um high level had really great art like really story driven art that like kind of wasn't just panel 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 it was doing really interesting things with how it was presenting scenes and things like that but it was the writing that's that made me like feel like or rather the storytelling where it decided to start and end, where I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to keep reading this. I might grab the next issue. Like, if it, I see it cheap, I can, I can grab it for a dollar and, like, see if that's still, still good or something like that. But it's not, like, an immediate grab, where Self-Made has good art. It doesn't have some... It, it's not, like... I don't want to insult it in any way, because it is good, but it's not, like, distinctive, necessarily... As, as distinctive as something like Middle West is. But, yeah, so art and premise is what's going to grab me. The, the storytelling is always going to be what keeps me coming, whether that's just the writing or the way the writing and the art are, like, working together. So, so let me ask you, you love reading comics. Mm-hmm. You love buying comics. You love flipping through comics. I don't like spending money on comics. <laughs> But you do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so why, what took you so long to read these number ones when the art or, like, something grabbed you, right? I have no idea. Okay. Because comics are super easy and Right, fast they're short. Read. That's one of my least favorite things is the fact that I spend $4 for a 8 to 15-minute reading session. If I'm reading something for a longer period of time, it's because there's a lot of text on it. But I've said before that, like, comics are the worst bang for your buck when it comes to entertainment. Buy a video game, you can buy, like, a $5 game on Steam and play it for 20 hours or something like that. Or something like Zelda, which you've played for 150 hours and spent $60 on that. Like, you can do the math and figure out how much money, how many hours per dollar you're getting where with comics it's like here's how many minutes of entertainment you're getting for a dollar like if you read it through it in eight minutes 
you just spend a dollar for two minutes each time. Mm -hmm. So like, it's definitely not a cheap thing to get into, but I think a lot of that comes from the fact that as expensive as that is, like comic book creators do not make a lot of money in any way, shape or form. Like the only way they do start to make money is if a, it's like a huge hit, like the walking dead or saga, um, which usually only comes after many, many years in the business and finding like the thing that people are going to grab onto, or if it gets turned into a TV show and you're able to get like, not even if you have like just the, uh, IP rights money coming in. So when you get placed on as a producer mm-hmm. or a writer on the show, yeah. cause that's going to be continued income. Right. And usually that's the writer. The artist is usually left behind in some way. Mm. I totally went off of your question. You're fine. So, I don't but know. you don't know why. I don't know why. Right, yeah. Like I said, I had, I still have another 30-ish, 30-plus issues up in our and guest you bedroom. you haven't read. Have not read. Will. But that's the thing. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I collect those Marvel 2099 comics, and I still haven't read some of them. <laughs> and I collect them. Like, those are the specific ones mm-hmm. that I collect, and I have not read some of them. Yeah. Yeah, so I get it. I don't know. There's something wrong with us. <laughs> I don't know what it is because, and, and, and sometimes, like, with, good lord, I wish I could remember that Jeff Lemire series. Man, but I haven't read, like, the last four issues of it. I'm pretty sure it's ended. And that one I know I held off because I kind of wanted to read it in a big chunk. I was enjoying it but it's kind of slow it's pretty slow moving and in some ways that's good because as you're reading through that one takes a little longer like you can linger a little bit on the pages as you're going and it's not just because it's text heavy it's because he uses this really cool watercolor style that kind of draws you in so, so sometimes it's something like that where I'm just holding off because I want to read it in a n- nice chunk but I still enjoy owning the individual issues purely for I don't know what kind of reasons because it's way cheaper to buy the collected editions, but I enjoy, I enjoy being able to find a single issue that tells a story and I feel satisfied just with that. I get that. So I do. 12 comics, two that I will keep reading (laughs) one or two maybes. Uh, not a high success rate, but that's good. That's good for me. It's good for my wallet. Um, because if I kept going through 12 series and was consistently buying that, that would add up and, uh, I'd have to find another job again, which is not fun. So (laughs) plus I have my others, so, which I'll have to read up because some of those I have not read in a while. So future episodes, get on it, Leaf. Um, any other questions? I don't think so. Congrats on finishing these. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I really deserve that. (laughs) I've been through through an ordeal. Oh my gosh. This was like an hour of reading. (laughs) It was insane. (sighs) Poor thing. I know. Well, uh, what do we have up next episode? Is it fate next? Oh, it's fate Fate, the role-playing game, featuring 
it'll be featuring my younger brother, actually, Nathan. Um, he was up here visiting for a little while, a couple months back, and we decided to interview him about the experience of playing Phaeton. If you thought us talking about comic books made sense for a podcast, now we're going to talk about playing tabletop role-playing game. All right. I think that's going to be it. Thank you so much to Velt Punch for the use of their music. Uh, Fighting Pose from the album, His Strange Fighting Pose. I cannot thank them enough. We always, sometimes we forget, but uh, we never forget them in our hearts. We are truly, <laughs> truly grateful. Uh, like I said, check us out on Twitter. I will definitely be posting. I was thinking about just posting like a mass thing of like all the images, but now I'm going to kind of have to like, I think, talk people through like, some of the images and explain how bad that font is or why the art is distinctive. But I think that will be a good use of our Twitter. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Until then. Bye-bye. Bye now.